Last week, um, we studied the coming Antichrist kingdom. And today, uh, I'm going to preach the second part of that message. And so if you would, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Hallelujah. We could stop right there, couldn't we? Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. This is 1 John 4, 1 to 3. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus has not come from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and I just ask that you anoint this word, Lord. Father, that this word would be valuable, Lord God. It would be um, received as valuable, Lord, above anything that has price in this world, Lord, your word is valuable. And Father, I just pray that it would be received as such by hearts, Lord. Lord, that we would apply it, Lord God, we would live it, Lord. It would breathe and it would be living within us, Lord God, in every action we take, Lord, every thought that we have, Lord God. Bless this word, Lord, in your name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. So last week, I began talking about the coming Antichrist kingdom. And um, one thing that we have to realize um, is this kingdom is absolutely, and I'm going to review a little bit from last week, this kingdom is absolutely inevitable. Um, The Bible is very clear, and we'll get into those scriptures in a moment, that this kingdom... Uh, will rise up uh, right before Jesus Christ establishes his kingdom. And so with the scripture I read this morning, 1 John chapter 4, it says that the spirit of Antichrist, you heard it is coming, but he says it's already in the world. And so one thing we need to be aware of, and one thing I ministered to last week is, I began to talk about some of those things that seem like they're part of this Antichrist spirit that's in the world. And so I went through a a list of things, uh, one being the uh, Secular Humanist Manifesto, which if you're familiar with that document, it was uh, originally written in 1933, and, um, and then it was rewritten in 73, and then there was a third installment that was written recently, but it wasn't nearly as detailed. And as you begin to look at that document, you begin to see a, an agenda that is publicly written that says we are, um, we are desiring as leaders of the world to institute a global kingdom that basically in all of its forms rejects God. And so we see a spirit of Antichrist, and when you look at the word Antichrist, it can be interpreted opposite of Christ, but it can also very clearly be interpreted instead of Christ. 
And so we begin to see this Antichrist spirit begin to rise up in the world that says, hey, we can do the world without God. We can have a world without God. And we begin to see these roots and these seeds that are planted in our society of a globalist um, agenda to have a world without God. And I began to read last week different quotes from globalists who believe that this world is very doable and these ideas are very uh, able to be implemented in the world that we live. And so I begin to go through a lot of those areas and the purpose of my message is so that you will not be unaware that this kingdom is inevitable. It's coming. The roots are there. The plans are there. The globalist agenda is there. And uh, this kingdom will come on this earth and you should not be surprised. And get this, you shouldn't be afraid. God has prepared us more than anybody on the earth for this antichrist kingdom that's being established on this earth. And so this week, I want to follow that message up with uh, the realities of the coming antichrist kingdom. Because if this kingdom... um, potentially is going to be set up in our world around us, what are the repercussions of this kingdom and how will it affect those who live on the earth? And so as we begin to look, I want to look first at the setting up of this kingdom, meaning what type of things are coming to pass that are setting the stage for this potential kingdom. And so last week I studied in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 through 10. Now, Revelation chapter 13 is a very pivotal uh, chapter in the Bible that really talks about the establishment of the Antichrist kingdom. The beast that will rise out of the sea is that biblical person that we commonly refer to as Antichrist. In fact, he has a lot of names in the Bible. Um, And here are just a few. In Daniel chapter 7, when it talks about the prophecy of the ten uh, kings, it says a little horn will rise out of those ten kings, and that is the Antichrist. He's called the coming prince in the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. He's called the willful or the forceful king in Daniel 11, 36. He's called the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. And in that same verse, he's called the son of perdition or the son of destruction. He's called the Antichrist in 1 John. He's the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6, 2. So the Bible speaks very often of this person that we call the Antichrist. And Revelation 13 is setting us up to understand. In fact, 1 John 4, 1 to 3 that I just read says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And he is directly, when he says test every spirit, he's directly referring to the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming but is already in the world. So God is asking us to be very careful and test every spirit to see if they be of God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. Listen to this. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or word of mouth or by letter, 
asserting that the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed and the man doomed for destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back. Now remember, when the, you look at the book of Thessalonians, and I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12, and Paul is saying this is a book that was written very early. Uh, Thessalonians is one of the first epistles that were written, and it was nearly 15 years after uh, the death of Christ, Thessalonians was written, and Paul's already saying, don't you remember, I told you about these things all the time. And so he's saying, and, and, and do you know what's holding him back, meaning the Antichrist, so that he may be revealed at the proper time for the secret power of lawlessness? And here it is again, it's already at work in the world. But the one who holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed when the Lord will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. In all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they may believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth and delighted in in wickedness. So remember, God is asking us to hold on to the truth, know the truth, believe the truth, and don't believe the lie that is coming and is already at work in the world around us. So God is trying to prepare us for a world that is setting the stage for the Antichrist. And so as we begin to look at this kingdom, um, what are some of the characteristics that we hear preached quite often about the Antichrist? And where do we find those ideals in the Bible, and why do we preach this? And before I get into this um, uh, biblical text that backs up some of the ideals of who the Antichrist be and where is and who where he will come from, I just want to state up front that I believe in a futurist interpretation. So if you begin to you begin to study Revelation, begin to study the prophecies of the Bible, you'll quickly realize as you begin to study that there are several schools of interpretation when it comes to Revelation. And each school of interpretation couldn't be more different from one another. And so what we teach as a church, and what I believe the Bible clearly teaches, and what I believe lines up with the early church and and what they taught, is uh, what we call a futurist interpretation, which means we believe the book of Revelation is telling us about events that are going to happen in the end of the Gentile period, which is the time, uh, basically, that we live in now and in the future. And so we come from a futurist interpretation. Also, we are pre-tribulational in what we teach which means that we believe in the rapture of the church, and we believe that that rapture will happen previous to the tribulation. And especially the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. We're also premillennial, which uh, if you haven't heard that term before, 
That means that we believe that there is a literal millennial reign of Christ and the tribulation will happen in the seven years previous to the millennial reign of Christ. So we are what you would call a literalist interpretation. We are the most literal of biblical scriptures. We believe that the Bible says it, the Bible means it, and that's what the Bible intends uh, for us to take and believe is the truth in a literal fashion. So as we get into it, we begin to look, and sometimes you hear that the Antichrist will come from a revived Roman Empire. This beast that John sees in chapter 13, in fact, um, I won't go and read it. I want to kind of paint the picture because it's a picture of a vision that is almost terrifying. In fact, you see the troubled waters of the great sea, which is the Mediterranean, and John is standing there and literally sees Satan, the form of a dragon, standing on the shore. And Satan is waiting for this beast that evidently he has called up. And as he's watching this monstrous beast, um, who is also bears the attributes of past kingdoms of the world. In fact, it has the attributes. It's a conglomerate of a lion, a leopard, and a bear, which means it's very similar in some way to Babylon, which was the splendor of all kingdoms. It was glorious. It was large. It was majestic. It was big. It was powerful. In fact, it was of higher quality than the other kingdoms, it says. Then he sees the, um, the bear, which is, uh, this beast that John sees in Revelation has attributes of the bear, which, um, that's the attributes of the Persian Median kingdom. And so he begins to see, and this was a kingdom that grew so large, um, and, and administratively, uh, they actually placed kings all over the earth, and the Persian king was called the king of kings. So we will have an attribute that this beast will actually have kings over all the earth, but the Antichrist will be the king of kings. And then you see it looks like the leopard, which is the kingdom of Alexander, which Alexander had conquered the whole world so quickly that he really didn't know what to do with himself. And Alexander uh, began to began to weep because there were no other kingdoms that he could conquer. And Alexander um, Hellenized the entire world. They began to uh, think like the Greeks. They began to believe like the Greeks. Um, it was an administrative kingdom that was beyond any that had ever came. And the beast will have a kingdom very similar to Alexander the Great's. And so all these are rolled into one monstrous creature that rises up out of a troubled sea. And it's very interesting when you look at Daniel that the beast comes out of a water that's troubled. Because every former false messiah that we've seen rise up in the world almost always rises up out of a troubled land. A place, a world that needs a Savior, a world that wants a Savior, a world that is looking for a Savior. And what we began to find with this Antichrist, in fact, in Daniel 2, 38, this is the basis for a revived Roman Empire. It says, in your hands, in fact, this is Daniel interpreting the dream that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had. It says, in your hands, God has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field, and the birds in the sky, wherever they live, is made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise. So he's telling the king of Babylon the future. 
He's telling me about kingdoms that will come after his in Babylon. And he says, after you, another kingdom will arise, but it will be inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the earth. So lesser and lesser quality, the gold, the silver, and the bronze. Okay, saying each kingdom will be lesser than yours, but they'll rise up. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. So he's going through the Persian Median, the Greek, and now he's talking about the Roman Empire. He said, for as iron, it'll be strong as iron because iron will break and smash everything. As iron breaks things to pieces, it will crush and break all the others, just as you saw the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron. So this will be a divided kingdom, yet we'll have some of the strength of iron still in it. Even as you saw iron mixed with clay and tolls were partly iron and partly clay, this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united until any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, now listen to this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. In the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Now the focus is on the ten tolls. And it's part of a Roman Empire. And he says, in the days of those kings, well, what are those kings? Those are the ten tolls. And it says, in the days of those kings, God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Now, can anybody remember when a kingdom was set up that will never be destroyed? Hasn't happened. So the Bible says this Roman beast, there will be ten kings that will come out of that. Okay, in another place it says it was, it is not, and then it will be. And so what will happen is there will rise up ten kings that will come out of this Roman system. And remember the Romans, um, their law and order ruled the entire world. Okay, Roman law and order, Roman peace ruled the world with a rod of iron and you couldn't do anything, uh, you couldn't... Um, resist the Roman authority. It was it covered the entire known world at that time. And so this kingdom that is coming from the Antichrist will come out of these ten toes, and that's why we say a revived Roman Empire. But in that day, when that kingdom rises up, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms of the past and bring them to an end but itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock that came out of the mountain, cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and gold to pieces. This great, The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. So God is saying when this kingdom rises up in Daniel 2, there will be a stone that will shatter that kingdom of the Antichrist, and his kingdom will be forever. So now Daniel 7, we go forward a little bit more. Daniel 7, verse 1 through 14, and I know this is probably hard to follow. But Daniel dreams of four beasts. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, Toward the end of the Babylonian dynasty, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind when he was laying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. 
Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Do you see this troubled sea again? He's churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, which is Babylon, and it had great wings of an eagle. So he's talking about the kingdom of Belshazzar, who he's currently serving under. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground and it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast that looked like a bear. It was raised up um, on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked and before me was another beast that looked like a leopard. On its back it had four wings like those of a bird, the beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth that crushed and devoured its victims. It trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the other beasts, and it had ten horns. And while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up from among them. Three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, as I looked, thrones were being set in place. Now listen to this. There's a future kingdom coming with ten kings. Out of those kings will rise up a boastful little horn And while he's thinking about this Antichrist little horn, it says, suddenly thrones were being set in place. And the Ancient of Days, this is God the Father, Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming like fire and wheels were all ablaze. A ring of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Do you see as soon as the Antichrist sets his kingdom up, then Daniel suddenly sees God starting to set up the final eternal kingdom of our Lord. And so this is good news. This is good news because finally the Gentile kingdoms of the world are coming to an end. How many can say amen? I'm so ready for the human government to be gone and the government of the Lord to be set up on this earth. And God is warning us, either you're with me or you're against me. But God is setting up his kingdom in the midst of this horn bragging boastfully. All right? So as we go on, it says, Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn that was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but they were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me stood one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power over all the nations and people of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So if you live in the days when this Antichrist is rising up, he's only there for a little bit. And then the eternal kingdom, even in the midst of his reign, God is already setting up thrones in his kingdom and about to establish a final kingdom. And all the governments of the world are finally going to be gone. 
Thank you very much. Hallelujah. That's good news. But in Revelation 13, we see this same ten, this beast with ten kings that serve with him. Three are gone and seven are left. And so we begin to see that as he establishes his kingdom, and I've just read earlier that there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world that's beginning to set the stage for him. And as he's establishing his kingdom, there are going to be changes in the world around us. And so we need to recognize what are those changes and not be surprised when we see them. Because there is going to be a spirit of Antichrist setting the stage for this short Antichrist kingdom. And so if we see the Antichrist kingdom coming, then that means our redemption is very close. That means the rapture of the church is very close. If you see what's happening after the rapture forming and beginning to occur on this earth, then you know that our rapture is even closer than those events. So you must be aware. You must be careful. You must be looking and watching for the coming of the Lord. So what are some of these changes that we're going to see on the earth? One is, it says in verse 8, While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one which came up among them. Three of the first horns were uprooted before this horn's eyes were like the eyes of a human and a mouth that spoke boastfully. In fact, it says that he was speaking blasphemy against God. Verse 6, it uh, opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So this beast, remember, he's going to be the man of the hour. The spirit of Antichrist is going to permeate the earth, and you're going to hear people on the earth begin to say, wouldn't life be better without God? Wouldn't life be better in government policy without God? Wouldn't life be better when it comes to sickness and and when it comes to um, everything in this world? The world is going to be crying for a world without God. Let's shake the foundations. Let's, Let's take off all of the things that bind us that are religious. And so the world will be permeated, what the Bible says, with an antichrist spirit, meaning an instead of Christ spirit will permeate the world. And this man is a man who will fulfill the need of that hour. He's going to be what the world is looking for. And it says he's going to be speaking blasphemies against God. If you remember in the garden, if you want to hear blasphemies and the definition of blasphemy, here's the definition. The definition is, in modern day language, blasphemy is like slander is in our legal system today. It's where an individual aggressively manipulates lies about someone to such an extent that your intent is to destroy their business, their credibility, their reputation, and the eyes of others. You can actually be sued for it if it is put in writing. It's called libel. Blasphemy means you're taking God and you are manipulating, lying to such an extent that you're destroying his credibility, reputation, and the eyes of others. So when Satan was in the garden and he told Eve, did God say this? He's lying. Satan was actually blaspheming God. Satan uh, came to Cain very quickly after that. 
and said, did God say give this sacrifice? God didn't mean that. And you see this ministry of Satan is to blaspheme God from the very beginning. And it says this man that is coming will blaspheme God and he will come to a world that is blaspheming God. So the world will say, well, the Bible says this, but the Bible really doesn't mean that. The Bible says we should behave this way, but man is so much more intelligent than the Bible. You know, man knows so much more than the Bible. Man can do so much more without the restraint of the Bible. And what we're going to see in the last days is this blasphemy against God is going to be ratcheted up to a much higher level to, to set the stage for this man who specifically blasphemes God. So be aware, the culture that we have, if this is true, will try to remove God from the culture. They'll try to remove God from the schools. They'll try to remove God from the education. They'll try to remove God from the government. They'll try to remove God from your very life. And so the spirit of Antichrist, if this is correct, we should see operating in our society right now, which I believe we do. Another thing that we will see in these conditions, in fact, uh, you've heard many people say that a global economy is a big part of the Antichrist kingdom. And so you wonder, where does that idea come from? And so I'd like to answer that question. Um, In fact, it's the same chapter, chapter 13 of uh, Revelation, verse 16. This is where this idea... And this teaching comes from, it says in Revelation 13, 16, he causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free men and slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he goes on. And he provides that no one will be able to sell except the one who has the mark either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and the number is 666. So the Bible says that all, small and great, rich and poor, free men and slave, are going to have a mark, and if you don't have the mark, you can't buy or sell anything. So when it says all, that's a very important word. Because it's not talking about a country, it's not talking about a region, it's talking about everybody on the face of the earth. So in order for everybody on the face of the earth, in fact, uh, Robert Mounts, who's one of the preeminent scholars of, of the Greek New Testament, says, the coupling of opposites is a way of stressing the totality of human society. John mentions here six classes of people. He mentions a cultural class a social class, and an economic class. And he gives the outer edges of each class. The outer edges are the social category, the outer edge of the cultural category, and the outer edge of the economic category. The Bible is very clear that the system is coming to every single human being. So if it's coming to every human being, there has to be a centralized global government. And there has to be a centralized economic system. And so we begin to look, and it says, um, 
Jesus is talking in Matthew 16.3. And he says, um, and he scolds the scribes and Pharisees. They were actually looking for a sign. And so Jesus challenges their ability to read signs. Okay? Um, maybe they could have taken some lessons from the Houston Astros on how to read signs. That's Okay, that's a bad joke. But Jesus says in Matthew 16, 3 to the scribes and Pharisees, he says, do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky? You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. And in the morning, there will be a storm. In the morning, you say there will be a storm today because the sky is red and threatening. Do you not know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times? Now, Jesus is saying that you're really good at reading signs about the weather. You get up in the morning and you can even predict accurately that there's going to be rain. Or you can predict a storm is coming. Or you can predict there's tornado weather. Or you can read the stock market and you can predict how to make or lose money. You know, you can read stats and say whether a player is going to be good or bad. You're really good at predicting things. He said, but when it comes to the world, and what's going on around you, you're terrible at it. And the Lord tells us the same thing today. We began to look at all these rumblings. In fact, last week, I read line after line of the globalist agenda to have a one-world economy and um, a one-world government uniting everybody together for the purpose of helping man accomplish a common good. I can read all those things, and like Jesus said, you can tell the weather, but you can't change your life and change your family to be ready for the coming of the Lord because you're not reading the signs that are around you. And so some of the things that have to happen in order for this to, ha- for this to occur, in fact, the title of my message is Realities of the Coming Antichrist Kingdom is one thing that is going to have to happen. Did you notice there was a mark that is put on every person in the world in order to buy and sell? And if you don't have it, you can't buy or sell. And so in order for that to happen, one of the realities of the Antichrist Kingdom is there is going to be a global monitoring system. There's not only going to be a global economic system to accomplish the goals the globalists have, but there will be a global monitoring system. And you say, man, Chad, this is science fiction. No, I'm telling you, these are the signs that are around you, and the Bible prophesied it thousands of years ago. But a global monitoring system where everyone is given a mark. Now, why would Satan want a global monitoring system? Why would the Antichrist want a global monitoring system? Ask yourself that. Because Satan is a created being. Satan is not omniscient. How many know that? Satan doesn't know everything. In fact, a very intelligent old creature, but there's a lot of things he doesn't know. And he doesn't have a lot of wisdom. In fact, the Bible calls him a beast, um, a dragon, and calls the other two beasts that come out of the sea and the earth, I believe, because beasts are predictable. In fact, I can predict, depending on the animal, exactly what their behavior is going to be almost always. 
And these beasts are so predictable that God knows when I release this Antichrist, here's exactly how he's going to behave. Because he has beastly um, beastly characteristics and he's bent on world domination. And so I know when I release him, he'll do exactly what a beast does. He'll go out and establish his authority and try to get the whole world to worship him. So as he begins to release, um, Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, meaning he is not all-powerful, he's not omnipresent, means he can't be everywhere at once. And so because of the fact that he doesn't have these godly qualities, he needs a marking system. He needs a system to control the whole world. In fact, do you see how these scientific systems almost gives him a feeling of omniscience? Almost gives him a feeling of omnipotence. Almost gives him a feeling that he is omnipresent. If he can track everybody in the world and know where they're at, he's got a semblance of omniscience, right? Semblance of omnipresence. And so Satan has always wanted to mimic God. He's always wanted to sit in the seat of God. And so you should see uh, with this mark of the beast, it is telling you there will be a global monitoring system. You say, man, I just don't see that in the world. And I'll tell you again, you're bad at reading signs. Okay, you, you wouldn't be a good astro, all right? Because, it, let me just read a few articles here. Here's an article that says, China's chilling dictatorship, this is an old article actually, is moving quickly to introduce social scorecards by which all citizens will be monitored 24-7 and ranked for their behavior. The Communist Party plan is that every one of its 4 billion people, every one, are going to be, everyone's 4 billion citizens, to be at the rim of dystopian social credit system, and it's on track to be fully operational by the year 2020. We live in the year 2020, and we read many, many articles about the Chinese social credit system. In fact, they monitor their citizens constantly, and based on their behavior, how good of a citizen they are, it determines whether they can get loans, it determines whether they can ride the bus, it determines whether they can travel or get preferred travel. They completely control their population because of their social credit system. In fact, their 5G system, this is no longer science fiction. This is a communist regime that has complete control over their citizens. And right now in some cities in China, you can walk in and because of 5G technology, they'll ask you, they'll call you by name and ask you what your order is before you even walk up to the counter. And you can immediately pay through 5G technology. And so the world that the Bible is talking about, about global marking systems, is already here. And if it's already here, then the rapture is much closer than we realize. And I'm a pastor that wants everybody to know this. I want you to understand it. I want you to not be afraid of it. I want you to be excited about what's coming because it appears that these signs are right in our midst at this time. Uh, You say, well, that's China. That's different. That's communist. Listen to this. This is India. 
It says, what about India? This is a news article. India has collected biometric data on most all of its 1.3 billion residents. So that's 4 billion in China and 1.3 billion in India. That adds up to 5.3 billion citizens of the world right now. India has collected biometric data on most of its 1.3 billion residents to be used in a nationwide identity system called ADHER, meaning foundation. Seeking to build an identification system of unprecedented scope, India is scanning the fingerprints, eyes, and faces of 1.3 billion residents and connecting the data to everything from welfare payments to benefits to mobile cell phones. Libertarians are horrified viewing the program as a big brother brought to life. So this is India. You say, well, thank goodness I live in the United States. Hold on to your hats. It says, in a book called The Shadow Factory, it says, and I quote, Have you ever asked yourself this question? Where does my information go? I mean, does it just disappear? Does it go into the clouds? Actually, what we learned is yes, it goes into the cloud. All of your messaging, tweeting, Talking back and forth, private messaging, all that information does go somewhere. It's stored somewhere. Well, that, where is it being stored? Apparently, it is being stored in Utah. Welcome to Utah, the NASA desert home for eavesdropping on America by Rory Carroll. Welcome to Utah, the Utah data center, a new home for NASA's exponentially expanding information trove. The $1.7 billion facility two years in the making, will host supercomputers to store gargantuan quantities of data from emails and phone calls, Google searches, and other sources. Since January 2011, a reported 10,000 laborers have built four 25,000-square-foot holes filled with servers, cables, and additional 900,000 square feet of space for technical support and administration. James Barnford, the author of Shadow Factory, said, So thank goodness we're in the United States. But remember, Satan wants to be like God. And doesn't God judge the world based on their behavior? So why would Satan not use this information to judge the world himself? Our information is being tracked. In fact, uh, we're being pushed toward a cashless society. Listen to this. The New World Order economists are not ignorant of the importance of cash and its ability to control the world. They're aware that in order to completely control, track, and monitor global population, they must first uh, eliminate the use of cash. With cash, there is no way to know how people are using their finances, whether for or against the government and what their agenda is, because control of finances is essential in controlling their entire life. Advocates of world government have for decades promoted the move toward cashless transactions. And I'm not going to read any more. Britain, if you want to be a film star, go to Britain. Everything is on camera. All you have to do is walk through any town, drive through any road, and you're being watched, filmed, and monitored. These are all news articles. I can't confirm they're all true, but I can confirm it's working toward what the Bible calls a global world. And so I'm going to close. I know these are some very sobering things, but I'm going to read one more time this victorious passage in Daniel. 
It says, after that in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast. It was terrifying and frightening and very powerful. Wouldn't that describe the beast that I was just talking about? Terrifying, frightening, and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, crushed and devoured its victims, trampled them underfoot, wherever, whatever was left. It was different from all former beasts. It had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. Three of the first horns were uprooted before it, had horn, eyes like a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Now here's what I want you to hear today. As I looked... Thrones were being set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was like wool, was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. The, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I just want to make sure I stress today that there's one person that is in charge of this world, and that is the one that is seated on that throne. And it's going to be very soon, and we need to be ready as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. Lord, we see all that is around us, Lord God. We see this coming Antichrist kingdom that is inevitable, Lord. And uh, Lord, we will stand against it, Lord. We won't tolerate it, Lord God, but it inevitably will come, Lord God, after our departure, Lord. And I just pray right now that you would give those who are listening wisdom, Lord. Wisdom to read the signs, Lord. Wisdom to know what's going on around them, Lord God. Father, you said, um, if you have an ear, let them hear. And Lord, I just pray that every person that is listening um, would get themselves right with you, Lord God. That they would serve you faithfully. Lord, that they would be ready and excited, Lord God for the Ancient of Days, Lord God, for the kingdom of your Son, Lord, to be established on this earth, Lord. And um, Lord, I just pray right now that there would be a spirit of readiness, Lord, and not a spirit of Antichrist, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Um, As the worship team comes up here, we're going to close out in in worship. And um, I just want to ask you today, where are you at? What, what part of this last day drama that's about to unfold, what part of this last day drama do you play? Are you um, believing the boastful, blasphemous things that the Antichrist is saying and doing? Are you buying in to this world system? Are you sad because this world system may fall one day and you may lose everything in this world system? Are you excited about the world to come? Are you excited about a government that is governed by our Lord? Are you excited about the Gentile kingdoms of this world being gone? Are you excited about being in the presence of the Lord? Are you excited about a world that is perfect, it is without tears, it is without death, it is without all those things? Are you looking for the coming of Jesus Christ? Because if you're not, you're going to be deceived by the lie. The Bible is very clear. You will not survive the lie unless you hold on to the truth. And so let's pray today. If you uh, have never given your heart to the Lord and you want to get right with the Lord, this is an initial step of uh, serving the Lord. And um, there are many follow-up steps, but this is what God asks us to do. Uh, say these, these words with me. 
Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, and um, Lord, I understand, Lord, your word. Uh, I understand that there is a person that is to come that is uh, Antichrist, and uh, he stands for everything um, that is against you, Lord God, that is other than you, Lord God, that is opposing to you, God, and I don't want to live my life um, like that, Lord. Lord, I want to serve you, I want to love you, I want to worship you, and only you. And today, Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my rebellion, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I just ask that you uh, give me your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, that you pour your grace and your mercy upon me, Lord. And Lord, I want to walk with you all the days of my life, Lord God. And I ask that today, Lord God. You said if I'm faithful... Uh, to confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me, Lord, and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, Lord. And, And I pray that today, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.